Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. Now, we're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA. However, we want to let you know about some Funk Brewing beers that are available this month. The Silent Luau Hazy IPA is out right now in Funk's tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York, and it's on the way to your favorite grocers and beer distributors. Along with the Silent Luau Hazy IPA, the Cruisin' Belgian-style white ale is available now. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Paydirt is brought to you by our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the NHL Stanley Cup Final, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Paydirt is presented by Bet Online where the game starts and i encourage all of you to head to shop.believeblev.com to check out not one but two pieces of merchandise for the pater podcast the pater show you're gonna love it one shirt has got the official show logo right over the heart that's available in white black and navy blue in a t-shirt and then also we've talked about it before on the show we have another one that is uh adorned with matt mcgloin's name and number on the back and on the front it's got the pater uh, word mark over the heart so check these out again that's at shop.believe.com that's spelled b-l-e-a-v and search pater and you can check out all our great merchandise i want to thank you all for tuning in on espn state college as well as checking out the podcast version of the show presented by the believe network which is available now on youtube apple Podcasts, spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts and of course hit us up on twitter and let us know what you think of the show at espn radio 1037 at mcgloin qb 11 and at tom hannafin uh, so, Matt, before we get to our guest for this week's show, who uh, I am very excited about, I want to talk about a little bit of news that stays within conference for Penn State football elsewhere in the Big Ten. Uh, a nice little snippet uh, came out of some recent words from Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> uh, and it's through some of our friends, you know, through On3. We have a great relationship with Blue White Illustrated. They're part of On3, so thank you to Clayton Safey for this piece of information. The quote went as simply as this from Jim Harbaugh. We're not going to pay recruits to sign here. When they get here and they do well, they're going to profit pretty good. This is obviously playing into the entire conversation of NIL that you and I have been having for the last number of weeks and, frankly, months, as has the entirety of the college football world. Uh, when you heard those comments from uh, Jim Harbaugh, what did you think? I smiled and I immediately took a screenshot of it and sent it to you uh, <laughs> because I loved it. I, I really did. I mean, this is a guy who, as we know, throughout his entire career has been very outspoken about the game, the way the game should be played. You know, when he's been since he's been back in college, he's talked a lot about recruiting, the direction he wants to take Michigan, and obviously the direction they're headed is 
comparable to some of the best in the nation right now. I mean, 61 and 24 in his career, playoff berth uh, a year ago, um, wins the Big Ten. And Tom, when you look around the Big Ten, they are the only team you can put in, in, in the same sentence as Ohio State right now. And, and they deserve to be there because of what they did a year ago, where they're headed, um, you know, the potential the team has. And, you know, I've talked about it a lot. Um, that was a player-led football team that we saw from Michigan a year ago. Guys rallying around one another, guys supporting one another, guys playing for one another. And when they lose to Michigan, there's a, one of two ways you can, uh, there's only two ways you can go, Tom. You're going to go downhill fast or you're going to rebound and continue to win. And that's exactly what they did. And I think it's a lot, a lot has to do with because of Jim Harbaugh's leadership, the players that he's recruited, the ability to develop those players. And, and it's really starting to show. And again, a fantastic year uh, season a year ago. Um, and I put them right up there behind Ohio State and, and, and having a really good chance to, to make a push to, to win the East and, and, and get to the, uh, the conference, you know, title game once again. So look, I love the comments, um, you know, and, and um, that, that's look for me, you know where I stand on and that's the way it should be. Uh, I understand what you're driving at. Um, my response to you when you had texted me that quote is that uh, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are either going to fall behind or he's lying. And it's something that you <laughs> and I have been talking about, especially with James Franklin in recent weeks, talking about you know, uh, needing to have enough money to actually compete with programs like Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, the list goes on and on. Um, I, I just find it interesting because if it's indeed true that Michigan's going to go down this route of we're not going to pay players to come here, and then once you're in, then yes, you're eligible for NIL benefits. That would be one of the interesting brands to do it with because Michigan does have such history. And as you mentioned, they were just in the college football playoffs. So if you're going to make the argument of there's no money, but here's the program, here's the education you're possibly going to get. Here's what the facilities are like. You're playing in the big house, mm -hmm. Jim Harbaugh. Here are the guys you're playing with. The list goes on and on of all the things that you can sell to a young man. Is that enough in this day and age when other schools are like, here's X to come play at? Texas A&M. It's, it's enough for a player that wants to be there for the right reasons. I want to play at Michigan. I want to get a great education. I want to be taught by Jim Harbaugh, who has been successful no matter where he's been. Stanford, San Francisco 49ers, Michigan, you name it. He has won games and he's developed his players and he's put players into the NFL. He's had Pro Bowl players, all pro players. Right. If if you're a player and you're a high school recruit and Michigan's recruiting you, it shouldn't matter if, if they're saying hey, we're going to give you this, we're going to give you that, we're going to give you that. You're going to think about it. Let's be honest. Right. I mean, the, the, it's some of the best football in the country and it's one of the best schools you can possibly go to. So, I mean, I, I just think it, it the way Michigan and Jim Harbaugh are doing things right now, it's being run like an NFL program, Tom, where it's like, great, we'll work for you, but but you got to be committed to being here. We'll see if it works out for him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very yeah. curious to see because, like I said, either Michigan is going to fall off a cliff in terms of recruiting talent. I sincerely doubt that just because of, again, it, it's a great brand within college football. But either they're going to fall behind in this NIL arms race or Jim Harbaugh's flat out lying. You know, I think it's a, a, another good point to bring up before we move on here is I think it's a good way to get, again, the right players in the door, Tom. 
But what it also does is it makes those kids work towards something, mm. right? And it's keeping them there, right? I'm here, I'm on scholarship, I'm part of a great program, I'm part of a great university, but I understand it's going to take me a year, maybe a year or two to crack into the starting lineup here, and then I can capitalize you know, off my name. And and then I can start to get paid for that. You know, where's to say, Hey, I'm getting paid right now. I don't have to be here. I go, I'll go get paid somewhere else. I'll go play somewhere else if I'm not happy with where I'm at. So listen, I, I agree with what he's saying. I agree with the direction that Michigan is heading in. Um, we'll see. See how it works out for him. It's a complicated time now uh, with NIL. So I just wanted to touch on that uh, minor headline here before we get to our guest, who I am personally so excited about. Uh, another one of your former teammates, you guys briefly overlapped. Uh, Penn State's all-time leading rusher, Evan Royster, is our guest here on Pater this week. Um, Evan is somebody that, you know, when you see the list of names in the top 10 all-time rushing for Penn State, and we're going to get to that when we speak to Evan, it's an astounding list of who's who and <laughs> Hall of Famers, no matter what level of football you look at. Um, when you think back on your time with Evan, I mean, how did he put it all together? No moment was too big for him. And, you know, even when he broke the record, it was business as usual for him. Right. He got tackled. He got up. He walked back to the huddle. And it was, it was, that was just that was Evan. He, he was one of the most consistent backs that I was ever around, whether it was in college or in the NFL, just the ability to do it every single day, week in and week out, every Saturday afternoon, the ability to stay healthy and take care of himself. He knew how to run. He knew how to take hits, right? He, he was so patient as a back. And I mean, it, it's, it, it was really impressive to, to, to be able to watch him play, to play with him, um, just being in the huddle with him. It was just this calmness. You know about it. Like he made you feel good in the huddle. Supported you. Had your back. So, uh, yeah, man, just just an impressive running back, an impressive athlete. And again, I mean, to do it every single week, every single year, three years as a as a featured back at Penn State, um, over a thousand yards in, in each one of those years. But a guy, look, he redshirted, and he saw a little bit of time as a redshirt freshman. And then right out of the gate as a redshirt sophomore, ready to go, ready to take over. So, uh, I mean, just an impressive player, an impressive athlete. And you're, you're right, Tom, to be sitting number one on that list. And you look at some of the names. I mean, mm -hmm. My gosh, what an impressive career. It's crazy because I, I have always heard the stigma that's attached to, you know, you hear like, oh, that's a Big Ten linebacker. You hear the same about Big Ten running backs and that's like, oh, they, they can do great in one capacity and then, you know, maybe not light the world on fire in the National Football League. And I think that's been proven incorrect. And Evan's in a unique case in that he played in the National Football League. But as you'll hear in a moment, his pursuits off the field have gotten really, really exciting. So he's got a great life. Um but when you look at what Evan was able to do, was he just, you know, he didn't seem like he was part of the assembly line, you know what I mean, of yeah. running backs over the years. And yes, there are some great names, but he was different. He wasn't just this, I don't know how to describe it, but you know what I mean? Like that stigma of the Big Ten running back. Yeah, I think when you look at it, like the way I always thought it was like, oh, it's Evan Royster, he's our running back. Like he's gonna get he's gonna get the job done. Whatever it, if he needs to run for 115 yards today, or if he needs to run for 75, and he needs to have four or five catches out of the backfield, he's great in pass protection. He's a three down back. I mean, he's, he's what you look for in terms of stability. You know, a guy that you can count on to pick up blitzes or or see this or see that. Understand who's in front of him. 
on the offensive line and who blocks well, who's able to get to the second level, right? Do I need to be more patient if I'm on left side compared to right side? So just the guy that, you know, was able to do it on the exact same level mentally and physically, which a lot of guys in the Big Ten can't do. Evan Royster always and still has it from the neck up, and you'll hear that and see that right now here on Pater. So without further ado, here's Evan Royster. Joining us now here on Pater, he is still to this day the all-time leading rusher in the history of Penn State football, the Rolls-Royce himself, Evan Royster. Uh, Evan, how are you? What's life like nowadays post-football? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, life's life's good. I'm, I'm like I said, I was working as a, I'm working as a financial advisor uh, with Edward Jones. <clears throat> it's been it was an interesting kind of transition out of football. You know, the first few years, um, I'm sure Matt can attest to this, are, are pretty tough. Where you're just like, you know, what do I want to do? What can I do? Um, but <clears throat> once I kind of got my got, got my feet on the ground and started to just like adjust to what life was like without football, I, I actually really started to enjoy it and. I look, I look back now at football with really fond memories, but now I'm, I'm excited about the rest of life and I, I, I enjoy um, life without football. So it's, it's been good. Yeah, you were talking uh, before we started recording here about your time as a financial advisor. Is there anything you can do about my portfolio? Because I think uh, Matt and I were just both like, yeah, everybody's down a little bit here in the United States uh, after the events of this year. No, just just got to ride it out, man. <laughs> Won't go into too much detail, but think about how much time you got until you need that money. Yeah. That's good advice. That's good advice to everybody <laughs> listening. Uh, listen, dude, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I, I got to ask, since you and McGloin uh, overlapped in your time in Happy Valley, um, you know, what memories do you two have of each other? Evan, I'll start with you, but like, what was it like sharing a locker room together? Well, I, I wish I was in um, in my office because you'd see that I have my Penn State jerseys in the panorama of the stadium right behind me. Um, so I, I, I push it very much. I talk about it a lot, but um, the panorama is actually uh, my senior year uh, when I broke the rushing record. Matt was Matt was uh, the one giving me the ball in that play, I believe. So um, that's one of the one of the fun memories, and actually one that's kind of off the field um, is just that my my parents always seem to talk about Matt's parents. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just remember I just remember after games like them coming and, t- and talking about how they had a great conversation with Matt's parents. And um, it was always, it was always kind of cool to hear the, the, the stuff that happened off the field um, or, or to think back about it now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's one of the great things too about Penn state. They always sat the families right kind of behind the bench there in that section. So everybody gets to experience the game together. Everybody gets to support, you know, one another and get to know, you know, one another, because you know how hard, like it's hard, you know, sometimes families are, they're traveling, they're going down there. They don't know a lot of people. They don't know where to go. So and I know my parents always love talking to your family and, and meeting new families and just learning about, you know, everybody on the team. You know, I think that was, uh, you know, one of the more important parts, one of the more special parts of, you know, having the chance to play down at Penn State, you know. Um, and uh, but, you know, uh, for Evan, that, that was one of the things. And Tom and I were talking earlier before, um, you know, you, you jumped on the show here. And one of the things to me that's always stood out about you and as a player and as an athlete was that, well, first you were one of the, one of the smartest players I had the opportunity um, to be around. But when I think of that too, I think about how consistent you were throughout your whole career, right? Not just like somebody who took time to find it or, you know, had an experience like, 
you know, the highs and lows, which again, every, every athlete does, but like out the gate, it just seemed like you had it. You understood who you were as a player, a captain, a leader, a teammate, you knew the game, you had great patience. So, so where, where did that come from for you? I think it uh, was a lot of how I played high school football. Um, you know, I played for a coach that really ran the zone scheme. So it was very similar to what we were doing at Penn state, especially my, my first couple of years. Um, so I, I, the adjustment wasn't, wasn't too big. It was really just adjusting to the speed of the game. Um, and, you know, after you get hit a few times and, and, and competitors that, you know, you, you come out and you just, you, once you get hit and you feel the, feel the impact that you're going to be, be taking, you just kind of understand how to adjust, right? Like you just start to start to, to adjust your body and adjust your, your reactions to the new speed. And once I was able to do that, I, I felt like, yeah, I was like, I was ready for it. You know, I, I felt like halfway through my freshman year or my, you know, after my, my redshirt freshman year, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I felt like I was ready to take over. You know, I, I wanted the ball more and more. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I never was the, the back that got like, you know, 25, 30 carries a game, but I wanted to be the guy who was getting at 20. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I, I think that that competitive desire, like just like, being comfortable, comfortable in that offensive scheme and having the competitive nature to, to come in and want to, want to compete was, was what kind of set me off. Right. You, you mentioned kind of like, yeah, cause you're the, the red shirt year and then you were back up behind Rodney. So how important was that first year for you to kind of be able to, all right, now I'm going to play, I'm going to make, you know, uh, make a contribution. I'm going to have my presence felt here day in and day out, week in and week out but I can still kind of slowly bring myself along. Whereas today, like we talk about it all the time. Patience doesn't exist. Guys are expected to play as soon as they step foot on campus and dominate and have thousands of yards, you know, year in and year out. But for you mentally, how important was that first year? Because when you look at what you're able to do, you know, your last three seasons, right? Three years, 3000 yards or a thousand yards or, you know, over a thousand yards in each season, the ability to stay healthy. How, how crucial is that for your mental development? You know, I, I think uh, it, it definitely helped, um, <clears throat> you know, being able to learn from a guy like Rodney and, and the year before a guy like Tony Hunt was, was crucial to, to my development because they both had very different running styles and they both fit well into our offense. Right. Like I, it made me realize that there's no one way to do things. And, and, you know, I didn't have to be, be a, a workhorse type guy. I didn't have to be a small shifty type guy to, to fit. You know, I could be a blend and I could be my own style. Um, so it, it really helped me gain the confidence to just be myself and, and, and run like me. Um, I, I came in thinking like, okay, how am I, how am I going to change my body to be, to fit this offense? Um, and I didn't have to do that. I just had to, to be me and, 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 you know, use the, the things that I had learned through high school and all of that to, to help my, help myself adjust. You talked about high school a few times, and you mentioned earlier being an athlete, adjusting to the speed. You see so many players anymore trying to focus on one thing, right? Do the one sport, fully commit to one thing, devote your time to that, invest all in that. You were a lacrosse standout, as everybody knows. You know How did that shape the way you played football and running back at Penn State? And did you ever think about like, well you know, maybe I could do both. Maybe I should try to play both. Well, I, I always wanted to play both. I just didn't think that I could personally handle it, quite frankly. You know, I, 
I, not to say that I was a bad student or, or a good student. I just, I was kind of middle of the road and I, I felt like I needed that extra time to dedicate to school and to actually making sure that I graduated and was eligible to play football. Right. Like I didn't want to have this other responsibility, even though I, if looking back, I miss, I miss playing lacrosse more than I miss playing football at this point. Like I, I love football. I've, I've loved playing in college and, uh, but the, the, the thing that's missing, the thing that I, that I wish I, the experience that I wish I had was playing college lacrosse. Um, and you know, I, I have such fond memories of lacrosse and, and I, I think the game really helped shape how I was in, as an open field runner. You know, I, I was, I was never, I never had that breakaway speed and, and I, I fully recognize that, right? Like I was a little bit stubborn back when I was playing, like, no, I'm fast enough to outrun people. I, I may not have been right. Um, <clears throat> but it helped shape me as an open field runner because I noticed when guys had angles on me on the cross, I could, I could still make them miss. I could still get to the cage. Right. So learning how to do that and, and transfer that from sport to sport just helps round you out as an athlete and helps you, you know, adjust to different scenarios. I always felt like, um, you know, or I'm now, I now feel like playing multiple sports in high school was, was what helped shape me as an athlete. You know, I learned how, I played basketball, so that made me a better lacrosse player, learning how to slide on defense and stuff like that. And then lacrosse made me a better football player. Football player made me a more physical lacrosse player. So, um, you know, th- those those things translate. And, and <clears throat> you never know what you're going to be best at until you try those different things, right, until your body develops and you learn how to do those different things, right? So um, I'm just a – don't pick one thing until until you're ready, right, until you've, until you've learned what you're best at. I think the one byproduct of lacrosse, Evan, that I always saw as a fan is that you were never afraid to run violently, you know, to get physical if you had to. So that always showed, which it's something that's interesting as the running back position has evolved. You see some guys dancing a little bit more. You see some guys maybe trying to avoid contact and you you get trying to preserve your body for years to come. But as you've watched the position evolve and then at one point in the National Football League, it was almost undervalued and it seems to have come back you know what have you thought of the ebbs and flows of the running back position um you know i, I think it's natural quite frankly I, there there are certain positions where that doesn't happen a quarterback you're not going to see that position value drop right like it's, it's so important um and it's just based on how how different people run their offenses i think quite frankly and what's being what's successful over time um, you know, I think people are starting to realize that, you know, controlling the clock is, is valuable when you're going against a team who's going to throw and run a gun on you. So um, that running back position starting to come back a little bit now with the transition from, you know, to that to that very run and gun style offense has, has fully happened right now. People are like, OK, now we got to find a way to go against that. And controlling the clock is one way to combat that. Right? So I just think it's part of the natural ebb and flow, um, you know, uh, historically, I still think football is a pretty young game, so we'll see kind of that that continue to happen. But um, you know, I, I don't know too much about it, quite frankly. I, I don't uh, surprisingly, I don't follow football a ton anymore. Um, I, I don't follow sports much anymore. I, I'm, I'm a golfer at heart now. You know, uh, so <laughs> you and Matt, you and Matt yeah, are both right. in I'm golf. Trying. Now. I'm yeah. trying, but we had to yeah, reschedule yesterday because we were we were we were both playing golf. So. <laughs> Matt's got his charity tournament coming up on July 11th for all of you uh, that are wondering. Um, So you're you're obviously, you know, you're detached from football a little bit, but, you know, I mentioned it before, you're still the all-time leading rusher at Penn State. So when a guy named Saquon Barkley was inching up on your record, 
were you paying attention to that kind of like the 72 Dolphins are waiting for the Dol- somebody to lose so they can have their perfect season? So, I was, but not in the way that you would think. I, I told everybody, everybody was asking me leading up to it, like, oh, is he going to break your record? Is he gonna break? I said, I hope he does. You know, like I, I want somebody that people know to do it. So I, so it's not, you know, hey, Evan Royster broke my record. You know, I, I want Saquon Barkley broke my record. People know, people are going to know Saquon for, for years to come because of what he's going to do in the NFL. You know, he's, he's way too talented to not have success. And if he can stay healthy, um, he's going to have an incredible career. So I can look back and say, hey, that guy, you know, this, this ho- hopefully Hall of Fame type running back broke my record. Not, you know, Evan Norris, you played three years and, you know, got, got a four season because of injury. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I don't want that. I wanted somebody with, with that name to, to be able to look back on and say, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that, right? Yeah, I mean, nowadays, you know, like the starting quarterback for Penn State's going into his sixth season because of the pandemic and a lot of other opportunities. So, hey, you could play forever. You could live forever in college football nowadays. But I'm always astonished, you know, you broke Kurt Warner's record at the time, but the top 10 now reads like this. So 10th is Kajana Carter, 9 is Lydell Mitchell, 8 is Larry Johnson, 7 is DJ Dozier, 6 Curtis Enos, 5 Blair Thompson, 4 Tony Hunt, 3 Kurt Warner, two Saquon Barkley, one Evan Royster. When you hear that list, does that blow your freaking mind, dude? It does. It really does. Um, you know, I, it almost brings me to tears, quite frankly. You know, I think back on, on <clears throat> my memories at Penn State and that memory specifically is so fond, right? Like, you know, it was my parents were there. My whole family was there. So, you know, it, it touches my heart for real. So I, it's, it's so cool to, to still have my name at the top of the steps. Um, you know, I have that picture from, from my, from my senior year, my parents uh, took that picture. So it's, it's just a cool kind of feeling to, to still be, to still be remembered for that. Right. Like I, I can go back to school and still have that there. I don't get back too often, but you know, it's, it's just, it's just really cool to, to have. Um, and to have those names there that, that I was able to pass is just so cool to, to think about. Um, but again, I want that. I want somebody with that name to, to come out and break it too. Um, cause I, I just think that would be, be, be cool to talk about. Matt, do you recall how many rushing yards you had at Penn state? Oh, probably in the negative. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you were to add up, if you were to add up all the sacks, uh, look, you, you, you knew, you knew what my method was. If it was a short yarded situation, I was going to try to sneak it for the first down, or if it was a goal line situation, I was going to sneak it and get the touchdown for myself. And that that's what I counted. I counted the rushing touchdowns there, but no, like I got, I have the number. I have the number. If you're curious, minus 57. Yes, that's exactly it. (laughs) But you had seven touchdowns. Exactly. There I told you, yeah, yeah, there's a, a, there's a secret to the court. There's a secret to the quarterback sneak. Right. Reason why there's a reason why Tom Brady is so successful at it. There's a method to it. And, uh, yeah, um, Bill O'Brien. For the record, Evan had 29 rushing touchdowns, so he's got you beat by a good amount. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a funny little story about these stats. Is I, I had no idea of my career stats until I was doing an autograph session after um, <clears throat> when I was in the NFL, and people were asking me to put like my total yards and touchdowns. I, was like, I don't know. Um, I had some people. Some people had to like come up and like look it up on the, on their phone and tell me. So um, I, those stats are well, they're really cool and, and awesome. I never paid too much attention to them. I was too much, you know, into the game. I, I, I was. You talked about how 
<clears throat> I met Matt, you said I was one of the smarter players, players you played with. Um, you know, I was, I was a student of the game. I was never a fan of the game. You know, I, I was, a, I was a, an avid student of the game. I love the X's and O's, but I never, I never loved players. I never loved teams. I, I think I moved around too much as a kid for that, but um, it was, it was, it was that I, that I just loved like learning offenses and defenses and all that. Well, the, like the, like talking about the run, like the run to break the record. Um, like it was just for, like for me looking back on it and thinking about it and, you know, trying to put myself back in that moment and, you know, picture myself rewatching it on film. It was just, it looked the same as everything else for you. Yeah. Like it yeah. was just, it was effortless in a way and it was calm and it was just business as usual. And you got up and that was it, it's you know, textbook, and textbook inside zone, man. Like there was, was just, no, you know, no, and there, no frills about it. <laughs> and it was just like, that was it. Like, let's just go, you know, let's just play, you know? So like I, I talked, we talked about, being a smart player and a consistent player, like when you're back there, when you were back there, like, what are you looking at? What are you seeing? Like, what are you watching for? Like the patience, is it hard for you? Because look, compared to what's going on at Penn state today, Evan, with the run game and the struggles on the offensive line and the inability to create explosive runs, like you just see guys pressing so much guys forcing it, not guys, not being patient guys trying to just outrun everybody to the outside. So when you're back there, you're standing, you're looking, you're waiting for something to develop. How hard is it for your, like your, your mind to say, chill out for a second because your body wants to go. Well, I, I always, I mean, you know me, I was always kind of the kind of laid back type of guy. I just, I was never one of those like very hyper type of, type of guys. So um, my mind was always calm. I it was never that I always, I learned to, to run that, that inside zone and outside zone is reading that first down line into the play side and, and then kind of going from there. And over time, it was just like you feel that first level and you look at the second level, right? Um, you feel those down line and which way they're flowing, how they're flowing. And you look to the safeties and the linebackers to see what, what gaps may open. Um, and over time, you just kind of get a feel for it. And, and I always felt like over the course of the game, I could, I could get a feel for how those players were playing even more so. Um, and I, I felt like that's why I got better over the course of the game. And I always wanted the ball more later in the game because um, <clears throat> I always felt like it took me time to get going. But um, that, that's just the way, the way you kind of read those, those, those inside zone schemes is you feel that those, those down linemen and you look to the second level. Um, and you, you can pick up blitzes by seeing safety rotations and things like that. Um, you, I'm sure you're familiar with that as a quarterback and having to adjust protections and things like that. But, um, <clears throat> you know, that, that's just how, how you feel. You know, you feel that first level, you look to the second level to tell you what, what they may be doing and how they may be flowing. How, how important, like looking back and going off that, how important was that for you to understand that connection with the offensive linemen, right? Who's in there, their movements, who does this well, who does that well, who, you know, has issues maybe getting to the second level. I may need to take this step this way I may need to go that way just because of who's right. in there and what the personnel was because again you know th there have been times over the past few seasons with Penn State now there's been a lot of offensive linemen rolling in and out a lot of inconsistencies I have to imagine that's right. brutal for a running back it, it is it is because you learn how to set certain guys up for certain blocks um, you know there, there's always guys who may struggle with with getting the outside shoulder on the outside zone so you give them a little bit of a jab step just to set their guy up you know, get him to dip his shoulder back inside so we can, we can get that outside. Um, so there's, do you learn how to set those different guys up? And when you have to rotate different guys in and have, 
you know, different people being good at different things. It's, it's a struggle as a running back because, you know, you're always thinking, you know, who's in the play, who's in the play, and you're not doing what I said before, looking to that second level and getting a feel for the defense. Right now on Penn State's roster is a collection of running backs, right? Uh, a couple of young freshmen, Kevon Lee, right? There's a lot of depth, a lot of guys that have played, a lot of guys that expectations are high. Right. So when you look back on that, Evan, that running back room, how do you keep it healthy? H- how do you spread the wealth? How do guys get reps? You know, how do you put that all together and find a one, a two, and a three that mesh well together and pushes you towards the top of the Big Ten in the run game? Keep it competitive. Um, you know, that's that's how that's how I felt like, you know, you you go with the, the hot hand, honestly, whenever you can and um, you know, whoever's, whoever's mentally there and ready for in, in practice and stuff, you, you do those little, whoever's doing those little things, right. Um, you got to give them a little bit of an edge. You know, I feel like the guys who, who show up every day and prove that they're going to work, um, work for that team or are the ones that, that need to be rewarded with that time. And honestly, if, if nobody separates themselves and you keep them rotating, you keep them healthy and you keep them fresh, right? Like, um, it, it's hard to say, it's just how it kind of works out. And, you know, I, I learned from, from my time in the NFL and not playing that much that a lot of it's based on opportunity and the opportunities you get, um, you know, you have to show up on, in those opportunities. And if you, if you don't, then, um, you know, with that competitive competitive environment, you, you may fall to the back back burner and you need to, to step up and, and show why you need to be moved back to the front. Right. Like it's, there's nothing that, that should set somebody apart. That's not, how they're producing and, and how they're showing up, right? Evan, when you look back on your time, uh, specifically in the National Football League, and I think you kind of uh, addressed this earlier, is that you know you're a student of the game, and it what it says to me is that you treated it like it was your job, like it was your life to to do that stuff. So when you think back on your time in the NFL, how do you feel about the body of work? You know, I I, I wish I would have played more. I'm, I'm proud of what I did and how I got to that level because I, my whole life people told me I wasn't going to do it, right? Like, I feel like you hear that story all the time and, you know, he's not athletic enough or he's not fast enough. And I heard that, I heard that too. And, you know, everybody's got their doubts, but, um, <clears throat> you know, I was proud of the fact that I made it there. And I'm proud of the fact that my coach saw me as somebody who was reliable, right? Like, um, you know, I always... I, I look back at this with, with kind of bitter memories at, at times, but we had to do these, these really lengthy written tests before my games in the NFL. My coach was a longtime coach, Bobby Turner, who um, had coached guys like Terrell Davis um, and just like really, really awesome, uh, really awesome backfields. And he was a very much a disciplinarian and very much like you need to prove to me that you know what, what you're doing. So um, the fact that he every week used to hold up my my written test and say, this is what I want from want from you guys is, is something that I'm really proud of. And, you know, it's it's hard to, to be at that level and to succeed and to to prove your worth. And that's where I felt like I showed myself and that, like, I was willing to to learn what what you all were trying to teach. Right. So uh, I'm just proud of the fact that I got got my opportunity. So I want to back up. You had to take a written test before playing in <laughs> yes. NFL games. Yes. And now, now you're going to hear the bitter memory part. part of it. You know, like, <laughs> it was, it, I mean, I, I, I love my coach. He was, he was awesome um, and really got us ready for games. But 
I, I wish those tests weren't a thing because yes, the night before games, we would spend two, three, three hours doing these written tests. And what? There were there were multiple pages where you had to write out everything from from the playbook from pretty much week one to the week we were in. It was it was pretty incredible. Wait, um, wait so it was a writ it wasn't multiple choice. No, no. It, it was, was a written test. It was a written test. The like these are terms that we have, explain that term. These are plays that we have, explain your responsibility. And he expected us to do it for both the, the halfback and fullback position and occasionally tight end too, just in case, right? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we, would, we would be spending quite a few hours and there was, there was a little bit of cheating back and forth. With <laughs> young guy. Um, but I mean, it was, it was lengthy. And, and then, you know, in the locker room the day before or during the game, right before the game, he would, uh, he would all pull us all aside and want to walk through the test. And we'd be like, Hey coach, like we need to, we need enough. To yeah. We need to get, yeah. we need zone. to separate from the written stuff and get ready to, to go. Right. And, um, you know, uh, we, we, we got in some arguments about that, but it, 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 like I said, he was, he was a great coach. He got us, he got us ready mentally for games. And, you know, I, I always appreciated that because it carries over to life outside of football. Mm-hmm. A, a unique teaching method. We'll call it that. And I'm sure he had his <laughs> right. a method to his madness. Right. Um, I want to, I want to walk back down memory lane a little bit. And I think Matt knows where I'm going with this. And I mean it you know, entirely in jest. The 2011 Outback Bowl. You had a front row seat to what, what I think Matt would probably call the worst game of his career at Penn State. Uh, Matt threw five interceptions. You had over 100 yards from scrimmage. So um, what are your memories? Because you literally had a front row view for that entire game. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was going to say you're putting me on the spot here. But, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I still look back and have fond memories of like every moment at Penn State, I, even though, you know, we, we lost that game. I still, I don't really remember the game that much. I think about the week before where we were down, all down there uh, in Tampa and stuff, enjoying ourselves the week before. So it's not, it's not always so much about the game. It's more about the experience of being down there with teammates and stuff. And, you know, I always feel like those, those, those bowl games where, you know, you're not playing for a national championship with a Rose Bowl like we did that one year. Um, I always feel like they weren't as important. You know, I, I always felt like we, we took them a little less serious. And um, yes, we, we took the time to prepare and still got ready for the game and played, and played as hard as we could. But, um, you know, we, there was a little fun mixed into it. So, it, it, you know, I, I get it. I, I'm not mad at Matt for, for that. <laughs> no, I'm not saying <laughs> that. You know, it's you know just, what? Like, I, was, I wanted the ball fun. more in that game. I, I did. You should have gotten I, it more. Yeah, you should have gotten I, it more. I, I want And I, the one play I do look back at and remember is a little flip pass where you were kind of scrambling and just dumped it over the middle to me. And I just turned around and it was just kind of like green field in front of me. You, you um, have those games like that. You have a game or two throughout your life and they stick with you. Um, you know, um, you don't, and and look, it's as an athlete, as a competitor, you don't, you you don't even care about the good games because you expect to play well, you expect to dominate, you expect to win, you know? Um, but it's like, when you, when you have a game like that, man, like I'm laughing about it now because it was so bad, but it's like, you couldn't care less about yourself. Right. Like when you're, when you're in that moment, you're looking around and you're like, oh man, I'm sorry guys. Like, (laughs) just like, you know, you're thinking about your family. And oh. you're just, you're thinking about everything else but yourself because you don't care. Like you're just, you right. feel like you're just, you're, you can't, you can't get right. Well, I, I that was the like, worst part. 
in a situation like that and you're like, oh, it's the senior's last game and stuff like this. And, you know, you're thinking about all that type of stuff. It's because that's what people talk about when you're watching on TV. And it's, oh, it's this, this, these people's last game. It's, and they don't care about that stuff, man. They, they're, they're, they're thinking about all the stuff I was talking about. They're thinking about the, the friendships they've made during their time at, yeah. at school and all that. And how, yes, it's their last game. They don't want to lose their last game, but they're really going to miss their teammates and, and the experience of playing college football more. Right. Evan, we had uh, Brett Brackett and Graham Zug on the podcast a couple of weeks ago uh, earlier this month. Uh, Zug was telling us a story about how down in Tampa, um, you guys held up traffic with a bunch of scooters. Uh, were <laughs> you involved in that traffic jam? Yeah, actually, it, I might be able to pull up a picture on my phone if you want to see. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> so for those it, of you watching this on YouTube, you'll appreciate it. We'll so Matt, you, it. May, you may remember um I had kind of grown my hair out a little bit to, like <laughs> towards the end of my senior year. So forgive me for this, but let's see. It's going to be one of the first pictures on my phone. They uh, should have, they shouldn't even have let anybody rent those scooters or anything like that. Cause guys were riding around with no helmets on <laughs> oh, all yeah. over the roads. Yeah. Well, cause now yeah. they've got the ones they just leave in certain towns. Oh my gosh. Here it is on YouTube. Oh, that's great. So that's me on a scooter. I got I got more. Hold on. Oh, I got to show one bright more. red scooter. That's fantastic. The funny thing is, the, the funniest part about this is we we stopped at a little thrift shop and all picked up outfits. That was I, I only got a picture of myself before we picked up the outfits. I actually have a picture of uh Doug Clopez, Pat uh Pat Maudie, and uh Mike Zordich in the in the outfits we picked up. So he's oh got like a little blazer on. So <laughs> he's got, got, it's it is hilarious if you could actually like really see the detail in it. It's like um, a bunch of red bottles and blazers and such. Yeah, <laughs> if we could put that up, we'll try and put that on the YouTube version of the show. Yeah. Oh my um, god. Man. I didn't realize there were outfits. Like what was the whole mentality behind like, Oh, we're going to rent scooters and we're going to go through Tampa and we're going to get outfits. Honestly, there was, there was no thinking behind it. We just, we, Shocking. we said, oh, let's, let's get, we, yeah, let's, let's spur the moment. We, I think we might've been even like driving by a place on the way in and saw the scooters and we're like, Oh, let's do that. Yeah. Um, and we just got the scooters. We were driving around and we said, okay, let's stop here. Went into the store and ended up just walking around. I think we, um, might have had like those bowl checks or something. We were just looking to spend a few bucks. Um, <clears throat> and we said, this this will be funny to just ride around Tampa in stupid outfits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, we were college memory. kids, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great memory. Um, yeah. Evan, we really appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us on the show. Um, will you be tuning in for the 2022 season of Penn State football? I, I always have it on. Uh, I will say I, I don't know the players like I used to, and I don't pay quite as much attention, but I always have the game on when, it, when, it's, when it's showing. So um, I will be paying attention, absolutely not. I bleed blue and white, so I'll always root for them. Beautiful. Well, to Matt's point, Kevon Lee, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen are some names at running back that I know you're going to be wanting to pay attention to. So, Evan, thank you so much for joining us here on the show and uh, best of luck to everything you have going on in the financial world. And if you could, you know, maybe off air, give us some tips on how we can all get our money back this year in the United States. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> thank uh, you. I appreciate you having me. Thanks.
Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN State College next Thursday, again, from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB11, and at Tom Hannafin. Pater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. 